All right. We're going to talk to you for a few minutes here tonight. Um, Acts chapter number one, a very familiar passage of scripture, but nonetheless, very necessary. While you're turning to Acts chapter one, I'm sure you don't know where it is, so it might take you a little while. I'm actually just trying to buy myself a little time because I want to tell you that we are right now, we are building our prayer room on the other side of that wall. If you go to the restroom over there, you will see that there is a wall being built. We are building our prayer room is is being built right now. Um, Brother Reggie is putting the stonework on the um, on the uh, west side of the building. And just today we had our architect out here, and we have decided to put an espresso stand in the parking lot across the street that all the proceeds will go to our early learning center. And so Starbucks in trouble. You say, well, the pastor just twiddled his thumbs. He ain't doing anything. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to stay busy until Jesus comes. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. I'm telling you, if I, if I let loose with everything that's in me, well, you already know what that's like. Don't make me do it. I can get excited at the drop of a hat. All right, Acts chapter number one and verse number seven. Some of you could quote this from memory. And it says this, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Are you thankful for real power? Real power. And ye shall be witnesses. Everybody said witnesses. Unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in Spokane. In Liberty Lake. In State Line. Wherever you live. And unto the uttermost parts of the earth. I really just am going to be just a few minutes here tonight, but nonetheless, it's very, very important, so we wanted to talk about it. I want to talk about the power of your testimony, the power of your testimony. Why don't you say that to your neighbor, the power of your testimony. God bless you. You may be seated. The word testimony literally means evidence in support of the facts. You probably already knew that, but nonetheless, in this context, testimony literally means that there's a witness that All of America has been transfixed on this Johnny Depp trial. Um, I'm not going to say too much more about it, other than I believe the reason why it's so popular is people are sick and tired of politics, and it has offered our culture a brief reprieve from the nonsensical stuff coming out of the government. That's just my opinion. But make no mistake about it, A testimony is a witness. They are interchangeable. And Jesus said that ye shall be witnesses. The Bible also makes an incredible statement in the Old Testament, one that we're going to talk about here for a few minutes, where it says, he that winneth souls is wise. 
You know, it's one thing. Um, it's one thing to have a burden for souls. It's one thing to have a desire to see souls saved, and I think that that's very normative. I think that's built in to when we experience genuine New Testament salvation, that at some point there is a desire to see somebody else get saved. Um, I have a little belief about this, that I really believe that one of the ways that you get renewed in the Holy Ghost, one of the ways that we experience fresh joy, fresh peace, fresh righteousness, and a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost is when we see somebody else experience salvation. I really believe that. Um, I don't want to go too far down this road, but I, I, I really believe that I could almost make a case for the fact that you will dry up you will dry up if you do not win souls. Or, or better, you will plateau. You will come to a place where you will, you will plateau. It will be very difficult to get beyond. It will be diff very difficult for you to grow spiritually beyond where you are until there is a burden for souls. But I want to tell you that there is nothing in this world like working with somebody. And I really believe that a genuine soul winner, at some point you get a vision from God in your mind of that person with their hands raised or maybe going down in the water or maybe coming down to the altar or maybe speaking in other tongues. And I believe that's the Spirit trying to encourage us to believe God for that and to start praying for that individual. Because you and I both know within an individual, listen, you already know this. The war does not begin until you really try to live for God. And I don't think that this can be overstated because I think that a lot of people are, are overwhelmed. They become overwhelmed with the resistance and they are immediately given the opportunity of making the choice to go back. This is so biblical. It is so reminiscent of what happened to the nation of Israel when they came out of Egyptian bondage. The minute that there was, there were some hard times, there was a diet change, there was resistance. They couldn't, they couldn't have all of the things that they had back in Egypt. And there were some people that constantly threatened to return back to Egypt. That's when there's a lot of people that go back to their old lifestyle. I don't believe it's because they don't want God. I believe they are totally unprepared for the, for the attacks of the devil. I got good news for them. This church is going to pray with you. This church is going to be there for you. This pastor is going to be there for you. Your friends here tonight are going to be there for you. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. These are, these are just realities. And with everything that's going on in our world today, one of the things that it's doing by far the most critical thing, in my opinion. It is molding and shaping people to have a particular perspective of spiritual things. I remember when I got saved um, many, many moons ago, over 35 years ago, that it was not near as difficult to get people to come to church and to set up a Bible study and, and to sit there and talk about the things of God. And I... I, I reminisce about that many, many times about being able to easily set up a Bible study with people and, and having people over to our home or going to their home and taking my Bible study chart and, and breaking down the Word of God. And it just seems like in the 21st century that the devil is trying to use this culture um, there, there's, there's numbers of people, record numbers of people that are leaving denominational churches, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them for leaving those churches. They're 
bored again. But for heaven's sake, don't go back to the world. Start getting in the word of God and saying, where is this apostolic stuff? Where are these Pentecostals? Is speaking in tongues still for today? And, and can I really get free from the prince of the power of the air? And can I really have victory over my flesh? And why don't they get in the Bible and start asking those kind of questions? I'm telling you, our day's coming. Our day is here. But we got to start witnessing. I'm telling you. Got all this social media. It looks fabulous. We have people here in this church that are doing a phenomenal job. We have all, this, all these other things going on, but nothing can replace being a witness. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a witness. He that winneth souls is wise. We have people that are soul winners in this church, and I thank God for you. In fact, I heard a man made this statement one time, and I've lived long enough in God to believe it. He said that the devil will resist a soul winner in a local church more than he will a preacher, a lay preacher. I want you just to think about that for a minute. Nothing. I'm, I'm not minimizing being a lay preacher or being a preacher. But that soul winner that is in the trenches, that, is, that has got a burden to see somebody saved, the devil is trying to burn those people out, wear those people out, trying to put those people out. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, I pray tonight for a hedge of protection around every soul winner. I pray, God, you open up the windows of heaven and pour out a release of strength and encouragement and spiritual vitality. A genuine soul winner knows how, knows when, and knows where. And I want to tell you, I probably turned, a, when I first got saved, I turned more people off than I turned them on. I'm still not sure I turn everybody on, but I'll let God worry about all that. I had absolutely no wisdom. It was all burden. And what happens is that when you, when you experience the blood, the water, and the spirit, and the regeneration of the Holy Ghost. If you didn't get joy, joy is built into the salvation experience, then I would, I would recommend to you that you find a place of prayer where you, you take, turn your iPhone off. That is a, that's a, that is, that's an insult to God. Turn your iPhone off. Can I get an amen over there? Can I get an amen over there? Turn your iPhone off. Let Jesus know you're more important than what's going on Facebook right now. You're more important than what's going on Fox News. You're important than, more important than Instagram right now. I don't care about text messages. I don't care about phone calls. I'm talking to the God of heaven. I'm telling you, that's an act of faith. When you say, I'm giving all this time to God right now, and I believe that if you'll stay there and you'll, you'll really dig it out, when that joy comes, there ain't gonna be a devil within a square mile of where you're at because he realized this guy has already discovered that if he'll sit there long enough, that the power of God will hit him. Old school Pentecost understood the value of praying through. And I have seen people, you've seen them too, where, you know, if God doesn't do it in the next five minutes, then I'm out of here. I've got drugs, I have alcohol, marijuana is legal, I've got internet pornography, I've got anything at my fingertips that can satisfy my flesh if God doesn't do it for me right now. 
Cornerstone, I believe that we can create an environment and a dimension that is so deep that people make up their mind, I don't want to go back to sin. I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to the world. I don't want to go back. I believe that we can create an environment just like we did over there where there is so much power that people walk out of here and they say, where can I go to fellowship with somebody? Where can I go to talk to somebody about God? Where can I go and get more of this? Clap your hands and give God the praise. Yes. I believe it. I remember as a new convert getting so full of the Holy Ghost on Sunday morning. I just wanted to hang around that little storefront church till the evening service. Of course, I didn't have a bunch of places to go anyway. I sure wasn't going to go back to the bar. I sure wasn't going to go back to rock and roll. I sure wasn't going to go back to drugs. And I believe that God saw that. I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have a lot of gas in my car to get into a lot of trouble. It was very, very humble beginnings. But I just recognize that this is a joy that I have never experienced anywhere in my life. I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You can grit your teeth and say, I'm not going back to the world, and I appreciate that. But when you get the joy of the Lord, it's a breeze. It's a breeze to live for God if you get addicted to the joy of the Lord. Come on, let's praise him a little bit tonight. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, I pray for that joy, that joy of the Lord, even in the midst of the 21st century, even in the midst of the chaos in our world. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The soul winner knows when, knows how, and knows where. And you're going to mess it up sometimes. But just do it anyway. There was a, uh, there was a Bible bookstore that was just down the street. I lived in an apartment complex off Florin Road. Remember that old pack and save on Florin? I live right across the street from pack and save. I'm just talking to my homies. My Sacramento brothers, sisters. And do you remember Foothill Scripture House? Okay. I used to go in there every single week and witness to the owner of Foothill Scripture House. I would wait in those Trinitarian commentary aisles and wait for un, some unsuspecting, you know, well, I'm just picking up something for church on Sunday. And I'd say, knowest what thou believest? I turned off more people than I turned on. I really did. But I'm going to tell you, I got, I got smart, and I realized, you know, I'm doing something wrong. That, because God is so good, and the truth is the truth, and the Holy Ghost is real, and baptism in Jesus' name. I got I to I gotta learn how to do this. And so, and so I, learned, I learned how to do it. I learned where to do it, and I learned when to do it. I want to tell you, it, when you win one soul, you will never be the same. You're going to realize, you know what, this thing's real. When you see somebody on the job, somebody in your apartment complex, somebody at school, and you actually see because of your testimony that they're going down on the water, and they come up speaking in tongue, you are going to be a tailor-made devil chaser, and hell knows that. It works. But knowing how, it's, it's amazing how spiritual some people think they really are. 
I want to tell you what real spirituality is. It's not, oh, pastor, I saw this in the spirit. Something really bad's about to happen. Well, that's funny. I just talked to God, and he said something good's about to happen. So I'd rather talk to me than talk to you. God does not bypass the authority of the pastor. If I understand, the angel of the church, okay? But there's some people that, and they, these are some oftentimes people that get dissatisfied because they're super spiritual people in a congregation. And I've dealt with that spirit before. Just trust me, I know what I say. Let me tell you what real spirituality is. You're out there knocking doors. You're out there giving Bible studies. You're out pulling people. That is spirituality because you know where they're headed. You know how powerful the devil is. You know what what sin is doing. And you're going to make a difference in their life. That takes somebody that walks with God. That takes somebody that knows who they are. That takes somebody that's that's got that capacity to say, I'm not giving up. I might not have gotten that one, but I'm going to get somebody else. Oh, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. Hallelujah. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. I do not want to be a pastor that doesn't win souls. It eats me up. Number one, I love people. And I, I, just miss, I just miss being with people. Well, you're up there to the conference with all the, all the eagles at the conference. Yeah, but every once in a while I like to be with the other folks that need God and are just hungry for the word and while I'm passing them another piece of cobbler, we're talking about Acts 2.38 and one God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I know there's people out there that know exactly what I'm talking about. There's nothing in this world like having somebody over to your house and all of a sudden they see Jesus' name baptism and the light goes on. You're going, man, this is awesome. And the next thing they're saying is, I'm, I'm, I want to be baptized. Can, can we do it tonight? Uh, why do I have to wait till Sunday? And then, and then you, you talk to them about the Holy Ghost, and they go, well, God, give me the Holy Ghost. Yes, look, look, look. Look here, look there, look there, look there. I'm going to get the Holy Ghost. And, 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 and all of a sudden, you're supercharged. And all of a sudden, living for God is not boring. And all of a sudden, living God is it's worth living again. And it's, oh, come on, somebody. The worst thing you can do is quit witnessing. You're going to plateau and wonder why you're not growing. The good news is, is once you start witnessing, you're going to feel like, man, the air conditioning just kicked on. What happened? That which God gave you now has an outlet. And so God is going to give you, because it's circular. It's reciprocal. When you give what you have, God will replace what give and it shall be. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. This church has what it takes to turn this entire region on their ear. God, I love you. I praise you. I thank you for these people that hunger and thirst for this stuff. Nobody can tell your story. I, ran, I was in a church one time, and a guy ran up to me and said, are you Brother Mayo? Yes. Did you play with Black Sabbath? I said, where are these stories getting started? No, I didn't play with Black Sabbath. And if I had the chance, I'd lay hands on Ozzy Osbourne, and I'd say, in the name of Jesus. Nobody can tell your story. Well, Pastor, I don't have a very good story. Baloney. Pastor, I ain't nobody special. We, we need to get delivered to that. 
Pastor, you got this testimony, and that person's got that testimony, and this person's got that testimony. Trust me, if you're here tonight, you've got a testimony. And nobody can tell your story like you. Nobody wants my story. That's not right. That is not right. In a city this big, there's probably 100 people in Spokane just like you. Maybe a few different variations, but same kind of pre, pre-Jesus lifestyle, pre-Jesus pursuit, interests, priorities, lifestyle, everything. See, a soul winner has to create his own opportunities. If you're the type of person to say, I'm not going to do anything because there's just nobody to witness to, that is probably never going to happen for you. The person that discovers this creates their own opportunities. I was, at, I was over here, oh, man, I'm going to get in trouble. I went through Starbucks. The coffee shop here wasn't opened yet. What am I supposed to do? I went to Starbucks. What is it with everybody that works at Starbucks has a weird rainbow-colored haircut? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. So I pull up to the window. And he said, you having a good day? I said, I am having a great day. He said, what do you do? I handed him a business card. He said, you got a cornerstone across the interstate. Somebody had already been witnessing to this guy. Don't you tell me that nobody wants this. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. One might just plant. I might do the watering, but we'll dance when they're in the altar. I'm telling you, nobody can tell your story like you can. And it is a trick of the enemy to tell you your story doesn't matter. Well, you know, I was never in the world and, and you know, I just kind of an unglamorous deal. Okay, have you ever done drugs? No. Have you... Uh, ever blacked out behind the wheel and didn't know how you got home? No. Have you ever um, thought about robbing a bank or robbing a store while you was on them drugs? Of course not. Then you've got a great testimony. God can keep you. I have come to blow up the mentality that our flesh will tell us You know what it is? We're not even, if you go out and try, God will open up a door that no man can shut because he sees that you're willing to do it. Come on, somebody clap your hands right now. Well, nobody wants to hear from me. That's a bunch of nonsense. I rebuke the devil for telling you that. Nobody can tell your story. Well, pastor, I ain't got a story. Oh, yes, you do. Have you ever received the Holy Ghost? Well, yeah. (laughs) You got a story. Can we agree that the world is looking for what we have? I came to Spokane, Washington 28 years ago believing that the world is in need of a Savior. The devil wants to make our lives so cushy that we forget that there is a world outside these walls that is screaming, that is dying, that is looking for a reality. I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip. I'm trying to say, you got the answer, you've got the story. 
Oh, let's clap our hands and let these rafters roar with praise. I'm telling you, we're going to have an old-fashioned revival. It's not going to come easy, but it's going to happen. And God's going to open a door that no man can shut. You've got a testimony. Hallelujah. I want us to turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 9 and verse number 1. We're going to look at a few scriptures here. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. Look at verse 2. And desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, that's you and I, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. What an amazing story. Verse number four, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. That phraseology is almost idiomatic. That simply means, why are you resisting this? And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now, what we are witnessing here is we are witnessing the conversion of Saul and soon to be Paul. Okay? But that was not his entire testimony. That was just a fragment of his testimony because it was part of his conversion. Let me just abbreviate the story here because we could, we could read, there's a lot to read here, but what happened was Jesus began to tell Saul that you need to go into the city and you need to find a man by the name of Ananias. And he's going to tell you what you need to do. Right after the Lord was talking to Saul, the Lord went and talked to Ananias and said, you need to go out and find Saul. He's going to be coming this way. And you need to baptize him and get him prepared to do something great. And the Bible literally says that he was, he was baptized and the scales from his eyes fell off. He was baptized in Jesus' name and he was filled with the Spirit. That was his conversion story. But that was not his entire testimony. His entire testimony began in 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Next verse. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in the first, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now go to Galatians chapter number one, verse 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Now, let's get the picture here. I've talked about this before. This is amazing to me that the apostle Paul was 30 years of age when he got knocked off of his horse on the road to Damascus. 30 years of age. 
But yet here he is years later recognizing that my testimony actually began from my mother's womb. You're kidding me. You did all this bad stuff. Romans chapter 7, when I would do good, evil's with me, leading me to do all concupiscence. That means lust. The apostle Paul is saying that my witness actually began from my mother's womb. But God let me, let me, allowed me to live life for 30 years so that when I was finally converted, I could identify with everybody in my, oh, come on, somebody help me out. Your witness and your testimony began the day that you came out of your mother's womb. But when you found Jesus Christ, that's so that you can identify with the world that's looking for God. Come on, somebody. There's people here today, tonight, you can identify with alcoholics. You can identify with drug addicts. You can identify with fornicators. You can identify with everybody. That just, this, this is an amazing reality to me that God allowed Saul to live his life up until 30 years of age when he was about to bring some of the greatest damage to the church at that hour, and then finally bring about a conversion. But the Apostle Paul was able to put that conversion in the right sequence to where he understood that God actually knew me way over here and allowed me to do this and allowed me to do that and allowed me to do this and allowed me to do that and allowed me to do this. Then I found truth so that in me, everybody that'll listen to me will have a pattern that if God did it for him, God will do it for me. If God healed them, God will heal you. If God saved them, God will save Everybody's got a story. If God gave you a miracle in your mailbox, God will do it for somebody else. If God touches the neighbor across the street and provides a miracle, God will do it for you. Somebody help me out tonight. I'm telling you that your testimony is the most powerful, but it's a missing piece of the puzzle. We need an evangelist. We need, we need better music. Honey, it don't get no better than this. I don't know what you've been listening to, but it doesn't get, it doesn't get much better than what we got here. We're blessed, and I know we're blessed. It doesn't get much better than this. Oh, the pastor's bragging again. No, I'm not bragging. You don't know the difference between being thankful and boasting. I'm being thankful I, because I was there in the beginning, and I couldn't even carry a tune in a bucket. And my wife recognized. She said, honey, if we're going to have revival, you're going to have to quit singing. So just to help straighten you out and adjust you, because I, I love you. I'm not boasting. I'm thankful. I don't need to sing. If I start singing, people will start running, but not the aisles, for their cars. And so I started playing guitar. My, my wife played piano, and I played guitar. And she said, honey, probably should put the guitar up. She's a much better musician than I ever thought about being. So I listened to her, and we started having a revival. She would play the piano, no drums, no bass, no backup singers, and I would worship God. We'd have a group of people come in and sit, and they'd watch me jump and run and shout and give God everything I had. And that's how we started this thing. And then I'd get behind the pulpit and I'd start giving my testimony. And I'd say, if God did it for me, God will do it for you. And there was a few folks that believed that. But if you think you got to have a slick website 
in some kind of slick, enculturated program, that is not revival. That is not apostolic. God says, you just go ahead, you just go ahead and make it raw, just make it real, just da-da-da-da-da, and you leave the rest to me, and I'm going to tell you that that is where God operates best. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. You know that's the truth. It just is. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. Brother Jesse, pastor of Cornerstone North, sent me some pictures of a building he's looking at. He said, Pastor, he said, we've maxed out our building. Um, the new building we're looking at will see 200. Well, I remember when Brother Jesse was sitting way back there somewhere. Don't tell me this doesn't work. Don't tell me that God can't do it. Don't tell me that God doesn't have a bigger plan for this entire region. But it's in your testimony. That's where the revival is. That is where the revival is. When, uh, when Zach was being born, he got, my wife was an employee, a computer programmer for Sutter Hospital there in Sacramento, and they gave her a real nice maternity room there and at the hospital and Zach was being born and I got to stay in the room, I saw the whole thing. You know all these people that are into abortion? If they were to see with their own eyes, their own flesh and blood come through the matrix that God of heaven created you would change your tune. I believe that. Anyway, anyway, Zach was being born, and, and I was just getting right, right in there, and they said, sir, would you mind standing over here? You're, like, getting in the way. And I was tears streaming down my face. I was, I was, just, I was just a wreck. And finally, I just got off in the corner. I just started having a prayer meeting. I said, praise God. And the head nurse spun on her heels and said, I know you. I'll never forget that voice. I was a waitress putting my way through school and used to come into that restaurant after Sunday night service and witness to me every single Sunday night. When I said, praise God, she remembered that voice. Sister Mayo, is that a true story? Is that a true story, honey? I'm not trying to deceive these people. You're sitting on the greatest revival this part of this world has ever known. It's, it's, it's in your mouth. It's time to gossip the gospel. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, this is going to be good. Yeah, they got healed on Sunday. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Praise God. Hey, did you hear the latest about brother and sister so-and-so? Oh. I'm all ears. Yeah, God bless him with the financial blessing. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Why don't we start gossiping what God's doing? Why don't, why don't we start? Hey, did you hear about the blah, blah, blah? No, I didn't hear. You remember that Darian guy that was wearing those weird suits? Yeah, what about him? Man, he's a Sunday school director, and he's tearing it up over there. Woo! Man, I think I'm going to run on that. Why don't we gossip the goodness of God? And Hey, do you hear about this? Do you hear about that? Do you hear about that healing? Do you hear about that blessing? Do you hear about those visitors? Come on, somebody. Clap your hands and give God the praise. It's time to gossip the gospel. Why not? The power of your testimony. I hope you haven't already checked out because you've already calculated the cost of this. Pastor, I've tried and it doesn't work. That is exactly what the devil and your flesh wants you to think. It ain't gonna work. 
If you'll learn, if you'll get on board with the Holy Ghost and say, I'm going to know when, I'm going to know where, and I'm going to know how to do it, you'll become a soul-winning machine. It got to the place where somebody tried to sidestep me. Well, you know, we got to wear Seventh-day Adventist. Well, you know, God's the same on Saturday. And, you know, we don't, we don't eat this. And, you know, well, call nothing unclean that the Lord has made clean. Acts chapter 10. Well, about that. I don't know if the Holy Ghost is available for today. And well, I got it and I've spoken tongues and I used to do this and now I'm this. You know, maybe, maybe we will come and visit. I want to tell you, if we'll just talk about it, God will do it. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. You got to know how, you got to know where, and you got to learn when. And God will open a door that no man can shut. The Apostle Paul, the reason why I have such an affinity with this man is because there was a voice that spoke to me. Would you believe that that voice that spoke to him in Acts 9 became part of his conversion testimony that he told all over the world? Let's go to Acts chapter number 22. And let's start in verse number one. This is the Apostle Paul at Jerusalem where they manhandled him. They got a hold of him and said, this is the man that's turning the world upside down. Look at verse one. Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. And he saith, I am verily a man, which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city. Notice He's going all the way back to his birth now, not just his conversion. Yet brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous towards God as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering unto prisons both men and women. As also the high priest doth bear me witness in all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly his conversion story is now being told all over. And he tells the story about what happened. Suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me, and I fell into the ground and heard a voice. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus, and one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, called him brother, receive thy sight. In the same hour I looked up unto him. In Acts chapter 9 it said he was baptized, but he's abbreviating it, but he was definitely baptized. It's recorded. You would think that the apostle Paul, that was the chiefest of all the apostles, never came behind in any revelation, had more understanding and greater grasp of the mysteries. He's still telling his testimony because there's power in your testimony. Let's go to Acts chapter number 26. Acts chapter number 26, verses 13 through 20. And at mid, this is before Agrippa. He wasn't afraid to witness to anybody. If they got a hold of Paul and they apprehended him and they said, all right, what do you got to say? 
I'm glad you asked. Because what God did for me, God will do for you. Verse number 13, and at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me with them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who out there, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. This is Paul, he's, he's preaching now, but he started out with his testimony. And listen to what Agrippa says in verse number 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost, Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. What kind of a revival could we have if we exercise the power of our testimony? Let's lift our hands and just love Jesus right now. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll create opportunities for us that we shall not be blind to, but we're prepared for. Because you called me out of darkness for more than just the reason that I may see, but it's to be a witness of your power. Let me tell you, and I'm closing. Let me talk to you for just a few moments about the power of a testimony. Because there's some of you in this building here tonight that think, you know, Pastor, I'm sitting here and me and God and the devil know what kind of mess I really am and I ain't got much of a testimony. <clears throat> Says who? Who said you ain't got much of a testimony? See, the devil wants us to believe that the testimony of your conversion is now destroyed if you sin or make a mistake or go into a far country, that you've lost all that. Hogwash. That is a lie from the devil. In Revelation chapter number 12, verse number one, it starts in heaven. It continues in heaven. And the accuser of the brethren Day and night accused them. And it said that they overcame him. Here they are in heaven. The devil is just about to get thrown down to the earth. And the devil's looking at people like you and I say, what are you guys doing here? I've been accusing you, trying to get you to not use your testimony, not witness, because you, just, you just, just go to church, but don't do anything. Don't say anything. Just be faithful to church. But don't tell anybody about how good God is because you're here's your mistakes. Let's rehearse them one by one. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not what happened in Revelation chapter 12. The Satan is just about ready to get thrown out of heaven, and the people that have been accused day and night are there, and the devil says, what are you guys doing here? And they said, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Your testimony, every time you repent, your testimony goes forward. Every time you say, forgive me, your testimony goes forward. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Satan is saying, what are you guys doing here? I said, I'm, on my, I'm staying here. Where are you going? Every time you repent, your testimony lives on. You, you really think my testimony is that I'm some ex-drug rock and roll wacko that ran around with dyed hair? Yeah. It's so far beyond that. 
God's been good to me for 35 years. Has he ever healed you? Has he ever delivered you? Has he ever healed your baby? Has he brought you a wife? Has he brought you a husband? Did he give you a job that you prayed for? Has he done anything? That's your testimony. Come on, somebody, stand to your feet and clap your hands. Let's give God the praise. Come on, let's put the devil on the run here tonight. My testimony's intact. I don't care what hell says. I don't care what I did last week, last month, last year. If it's under the blood, my testimony lives. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their, you know what their testimony was? Devil, I ain't stopping. What? The longer you live, the greater your testimony. Every one of our testimonies are splotched with blood and fingerprints and demonstrations of grace. Come on, help me preach right now. Every life in this place has had great demonstrations of mercy and grace and the blood of a living sacrifice. It goes so far beyond my conversion. It lives on every day. He was good today. He'll be good tomorrow. His mercies are fresh every morning. My testimony lives. Let's lift our hands. I'm done. Let's give God the praise. Father, I pray that you'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a fresh revelation and understanding of the true power and mission of the church in the end time. We'll give you the praise and the glory. I'm telling you, if you're a soul winner, if you've even thought about being a soul winner, that almost guarantees me as a pastor that you're going to go over a level of resistance. If you've, if you've ever uttered with your lips that you've got a burden and you want to see God do something, there is going to be devils that try to extinguish that and try to put out that flame. But I'm here to tell you in the name of Jesus, God sent me to this building today to tell you that God is able to encourage you. God is able to send an angel of encouragement. God is able to give you a whisper in your ear. He's not left you. He's not walked away from you. His power is in you. Let's clap our hands and give him great praise again. This city is looking for a witness. All right. God, I love you. Thank you for these wonderful, godly people that on a Tuesday night, they are here and we're ready, Jesus. We are ready. Direct our steps, lead us and guide us by the authority of the name of Jesus. Asking the musicians to come right now. Maybe you're here tonight and the devil has got you believing that you're not even gonna make it. That's, that always works. He waits till you make a mistake. First he's the tempter, and then he changes his clothes. Now he's the accuser. Ha! And we feel lower than a heel, and we don't think we'll ever be able to witness or testify or give a Bible study again. I am here to tell you as your man of God that that is a lion spirit because he knows your potential. He knows the power that God's got in your life if you'll open your mouth. By the authority of the name of Jesus. I want, you, I want to invite you to come down to this altar and just it's just so fitting on the heels of this message here tonight that we just, we just renew some things with the word of God as my shield or my sword and my faith as my shield and with an understanding, God, it's you and me. 
by the authority of the name of Jesus. Oh, may God bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Nobody can tell your story like you can. And you and Jesus are a majority in a world of darkness and wickedness. Well, I got to have something special. You've already got something special. But you're subject to depression because of the voices that have already moved into your life. It's time to challenge those voices and say God is greater than this negativity that wars against my life. And I'm going to tell my story. There's going to be somebody. There's going to be somebody. There's going to be, I'm on the lookout. I'm on the lookout for somebody that I can tell my story to. Let's lift our hands and give God all the praise by the authority of the name of Jesus.